Welcome back to Roll and Tell. I'm Jeffrey. And I'm Christian. And we are your players, your storytellers, and today, today we just want to talk to you. <laughs> That's all I ever want. It's just we, to we talk. Got, we got some feelings to share, and we want to share them with you. And we're begging you to listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Christian, don't make it weird. I'm not trying to. Um, it always makes it weird. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Um, no, thank you so much for joining today's bonus episode. Uh, we're here today to talk about a lot of things, actually. You know, we, we've talked about a lot of stuff in our own spare time, but we have people who ask many questions about our process and what we do to play and our thoughts on the campaign that we've portrayed so far. And so that's what we're doing today. We're here to talk about Roll and Tell and our experience in the story thus far uh, and how we feel about it. We've done a lot of stuff so far, and, you know, not all of it is in the podcast. We we do some editing for quality, but we thought we would we would pull back the curtain, reveal to you the grisly figure hiding behind it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as grisly as he's making it sound. <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of work that goes into this podcast on both of our sides. And um, we, we just want to kind of open up about that. I mean, we, we've been doing it for, what, seven plus months now, which, I mean, comparatively to a lot of other podcasts, isn't super long. But the way that we've done things has definitely caused people to ask many, many questions. And so it would be fun to just, like, talk about it. Yeah, and what we do here. And we took to Twitter and our Discord group, and we got a few questions that people want to ask, and we'll be answering those as we go. So in the future, when we do something like this, we'll be posting on Twitter a little bit before we do it to try to get some questions. So keep an eye out for that in the future. But today, we have one question that I think is a great way to start this whole conversation, Christian. Would you like to introduce that question? <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, yeah, a uh, question posed by one of our biggest fans, Emily. Why did you start Roll and Tell in the first place? I guess it was my idea. I I, I roped Christian into this <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes pretty far back. If you want to yeah. give your take on the beginning, go for it. Yeah, honestly, Christian and I have been wanting to do an actual play podcast for, wow, uh, maybe how long, like five, six years? Yeah. So we started, I, I would say the actual like moment that it was first mentioned was in 2018 because that's when we kind of started our first attempt at making a, a Dungeon World podcast or an actual play podcast. I would argue that it goes back, yeah, a little bit further than that, though, because I remember when you first, uh, when we worked together in Atlanta uh, at our job, you know, of course, you roped some people in at our job, including me, to play Dungeon World. And I very specifically remember, you know, mid-2017 or whatever, that we were having so much fun and the campaign was so incredible that, and I, I feel like this is what many people who role play role-playing game, games do, they're like, oh, this would be so cool to record this and share it with the world because what we're doing is so incredible. And so then we started another campaign with the intent to, yes, of course, play again, but to also record it and turn into a podcast, which unfortunately <laughs> burned, uh, burned to the yeah, ground. But because of so many reasons. But I mean, like, 
I think a lot of people have experienced this with just their home games. You know, it gets hard to get people together. People move, people do things, and it just gets harder and harder to keep people together with this kind of thing. And I think, flash forward, Christian and I remained friends, luckily. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And um, the pandemic hit. And during the pandemic, I was still role-playing and I, I Christian you were role-playing the whole time we were apart too right I not the whole time I was attempting I had a group of friends in Atlanta that I had attempted some and um, unfortunately because of scheduling issues and commitment issues um, it wasn't as often as I had liked it to there be there you go again with that the whole schedule thing it's just so hard yeah. for everybody and during the pandemic I couldn't do my normal role-playing groups And I was still craving it. Uh, I think an important thing to say about Christian and I is we are both performers, which I'm sure you've probably caught on to based on how we (laughs) run this podcast. But we're both performers. Which, speaking of that, how long have you been performing? Ooh, uh, since... Man, you're outing my age on this podcast. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) since middle school, I didn't start professionally performing until my sophomore year of college when I decided that, of course, the college's program wasn't good enough for me. I'm going to go make money. And I did. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, what exactly do you do right now? I think that's an interesting question as well. Yeah, I'm a professional actor and occasional educator when it when my schedule allows. But mostly, you know, I'm doing theater, film, television, commercials, that kind of stuff. And with what Christian and I are doing, I'm trying to get more into voiceover because it's a little easier because I don't need to travel and have more time at home. But that is me. And during the pandemic, I was actually studying to get my MFA. And I was, <laughs> the pandemic made it really hard to perform in any way, shape, or form. And I needed role playing at that point more than ever, but I didn't have a group. So I started doing solo role play. Which is, you know, a lot of it is kind of like journaling. A lot of it is doing what you would normally do in role playing, but it's all in your head or you're writing it down. And I was enjoying it a lot, but I missed the communal aspect of the whole thing. And more importantly, the sharing of creative ideas and bouncing off one another. So I started taking the way that I did my solo stuff and how I would surprise myself when I'm writing things with what with random tables and all that kind of stuff. And started to put it in a way that I could do it as a duet, a two-person game. And I, I have a home game that I do with my, my girlfriend that was kind of the testing ground for what became Roll and Tell. And once I had a good framework, I got a hold of Christian. I said, hey, you still want to do a podcast? I've got a really weird idea. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I was stoked to even like hear about the idea uh that he had i I was into it because like ever since we had first mentioned that back in 2018 recording and getting a podcast out there it had been stuck in my head that i was like oh i still want to do this i still want to do this and yeah i mean it had been a while since jeffrey and i last talked Mm -hmm. that when he came to me i was it was very strange because i had been thinking about it recently and then he came to me. So it was like one of those moments that felt serendipitous, um, almost like like fate brought us back together. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was really incredible to hear him come to me and be like, Hey, I have an idea for a podcast and I really want us to get this started. So. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I guess like the short way to answer this question, why did we start it? I think Christian and you can chime in and say you disagree, but I think this is true about both of us. I think the real answer is that Christian and I needed something like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had gone through very, very tough changes in my life. Like, okay. So I, I guess to give a little backstory on my end, um, not meaning to like push, push my experience in here. Um, but so well, that's why we're talking, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> I've been acting in theater since I was eight years old. Um, and I was very, very bad at it at the beginning. So like, I've not always been good at it. Um, and still feel like I have so much to improve in. But anyway, going forward and towards the end of high school, um, I, you know, very much believed my dream was to act in film. And um, I attempted, I, you know, I, I pursued that for 10 years. And I did not find much luck as I wanted to in acting in the film industry. And then so I tried the crew side of things that I worked with building sets and set decoration in TV shows for several years including a uh, shameless boast right here, including a couple of seasons of Stranger Things. Um, but then, yeah, in 2021, beginning of 2021, major life changes happened. I realized that that was not making me happy. I was very, very unhappy doing that. And so I moved out to Colorado and started pursuing other things. And when Jeffrey came to me with that, I can very much agree with the fact that I needed it. Um, I needed Roll and Tell. I needed this. And everything that we've done has only confirmed that this has really filled my life with so much joy and so much purpose, yeah. especially after having feel like I having felt like I lost a purpose after leaving the acting and film industry. I think a lot of the value that role playing and TTRPGs provide to people is it gives them a creative outlet in a lot of ways that they don't always have in their everyday life it gives them an escape but one that is so immersive many forms like this don't have that same immersion but when you're sitting at a table with a group of people and you're all invested you know you just go someplace else and you're allowed to be yourself but more importantly you're allowed to take the creative reins of what you're doing and with roll and tell what I really wanted to give Christian and I was an opportunity to have full creative control because we are, as we always say, we are the players and we are the storytellers of this podcast. And that was important to me. I wanted to, I always have loved Christian's creativity. That is the primary reason why I've, why I reached out to him above all other people in my life because Christian's creativity just astonishes me. I love the things he comes up with, the weird little ways that he does things and I knew that if I wanted to tell stories in which two people would be fully in charge of that that Christian was the right balance to what it is that I do and I mean I think that shows through what we do and it means the world when you tell me that because <laughs> I mean of course towards the first couple sessions of roll and tell I struggled a little bit and we'll probably get into that at some point. Oh yeah. Um, cause I was, you know, finding my comfort with like balancing like, Oh, we are doing this for a podcast. So like I, I felt a little bit more restricted in letting my, my weirdness show. Um, but eventually fell back into that. And 
when it came to Jeffrey approaching me about this. Once again, I felt so honored because um, just as he's boosting my creativity up, I have always very much been in awe of his ability to game master and to run a good campaign and just have the sheer amount of creativity that he has. When I started my first campaign as a game master with my other friends, I very much looked to what Jeffrey did when I had played under his, under his, uh, <laughs> uh, control. <Stewardship>. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I looked to him and what he had done for his, like for inspiration of like how I can approach being a game master. So when he came to me and said that he wanted to do it with me, it was very much a huge honor. So I am more than glad to be a part of roll and tell. Oh, uh, yeah um but enough of the mushy stuff actually you're probably gonna <laughs> you're gonna realize very quickly as christian and i just talk um it's not just abigail and lewid christian and i love getting mushy you'll yeah. <laughs> you'll notice that about us we actually I, like full disclosure christian and i have some kind of romance that is like I would say almost in the forefront of almost everything that we do. Everything, dude. Everything. <laughs> and it's not even purposeful most of the time. Yeah. We're just like, we just love love, I guess. Is yeah. <laughs> the thing. Um, it, it's so funny. But yeah, I think this leads us. It's actually another question that Emily had. Um, we can start talking a little bit about the process of what we do because Christian, you had mentioned about starting roll and tell and where you were especially the comfort level that you had with not just doing a podcast but the unusual sort of method in which we do this one and so I, i i'd like to start touching on this next question which is what has been your most and least favorite part of recording this first season either and it goes on either technically or creatively has any part of the process so far been particularly difficult or surprisingly easy and I think that leads us into just talking about what has been the process in starting Roll and Tell. Uh, Christian, I'll, I'll explain a little bit just as a reminder of, for those of you listening, you probably know what Roll and Tell is at this point. But I just want to talk a little bit about the weird mismatch of game systems. Because I know there are some of our listeners who actually don't role play, that don't play TTRPGs. And I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer here what we do here is not the normal way that you play ttrpgs in any way shape or form (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, most people are well acquainted with dungeons and dragons or the idea of it even if you don't know how to play or have never played it before you kind of know what dungeons and dragons is you know a bunch of nerds in a basement (laughs) rolling some (laughs) dice and making up stories and defeating dragons in dungeons <laughs> but what we have done because you know normally when you play dungeons and dragons in many systems there's a dungeon master a game master a storyteller a moderator they have all sorts of names for this type of person but what they are is they're the person who's in charge of moderating a game basically they help lead the story they help give conflict to the players they're the person that creates I guess the best way of putting it is conflict for the players to interact with and partly come up with the world, but sometimes it's collaborative. The players are the people who get to, you know, run wild 
in what that person has kind of the framework, yeah. the skeleton. In this big created. sandbox. Yeah. But Christian and I have decided to make it so we are both of those parts at all times. And that's not a normal thing. Normally people don't have the players be both the game master and come up with all of the stuff as well. And to help supplement that, we, of course, have added tons of random tables. What in the community is often called an oracle, but we refer to as the mythic system. It's our way of answering questions we don't know so that we get surprises. This whole system is actually, gosh, at this point, maybe it's like eight different games that we have smashed together. The primary two games being Dungeon World and the mythic system to make an experience in which we can do everything at the same time because we are just wild people who like to be creative. Yeah, and you'll hear names tossed around as we play like Perilous Wilds, Maze Rats, Have You Heard About the Beast, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, we use so many different resources and materials to help us do what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's because... I guess like the mission statement behind the scenes was always we wanted to have full creative control over the story, but we still wanted to be surprised by it. We wanted to have that same experience players get to have when there is somebody in charge running an adventure or a campaign where they get to have the astonishment of the discovery. We wanted to have that too. And so we have added all these random elements so that we literally never know what's going to happen. And we get to be both player, but also the person who is getting the inspiration and piecing that together into an adventure. But that does lead us back around to what has been our most and least favorite part of recording this first season and either technically or creatively has any part of the process so far been particularly difficult or surprisingly easy that's why that question comes up because of how we're doing these things i am (laughs) i mean i don't know if you feel different about this but i will go ahead and say there has been not a single thing that has been surprisingly easy at all (laughs) like (laughs) well i i would say like our chemistry um that like the things we take for granted has been like kind of easy but um i think you're right about the other part of it (laughs) Yeah, I feel like even though we've had great chemistry, once again, I touched on this moments ago, I had such a struggle getting into it with the first, what are considered our three to four first episodes. Wow, it was it was so difficult finding the comfort and the balance and the pacing of how we're doing it and how we're, you know, not only playing, but performing it. So <laughs> for me... That has been particularly difficult. I don't remember if we ever said on the podcast, but this is this is Christian and I's first time podcasting anything. And we took on a very ambitious project for our first time podcasting. And Christian, if it's okay with me saying this, Christian, this was Christian's first exposure to this style of play was this podcast. I kind of threw Christian in the deep end with it and taught him to play. He knew how to play Dungeon World, obviously, but there are very few people who know what to do with what we've created, this weird amalgam of things. And so I was teaching Christian how to do it as we went along, and that had, you know, its hitches, its road bumps. Even up until, I would say, episode 9 and 10, I was still having some difficulties. And after that... 
I would say going into episode 11 and till now, um, I really haven't seen any of those difficulties re-arise. Yeah. I would say definitely from episode 10 on is when we started to find our groove yeah. in a lot of ways. And we start to see like early glimpses of it. Um, like I th- I th- Episode three is when Whittleby is introduced, right? Yeah. And I would say like Whittleby, Whittleby is a lot of people's favorite character. So it feels like pertinent to bring him up. He's definitely one of my favorite parts of recording <laughs> this show so far. Yeah. Um, admittedly, the voice gets kind of challenging to do after a while. But <laughs> <laughs> um, he's one of my favorite things because I feel like his introduction yeah. is definitely was a changing moment for both of us. Yeah, yeah. He was he was great. He was definitely what added that like spice that made I think our chemistry finally bloom in in the podcast. And uh yeah. he was definitely a turning point. And I think I don't mean to speak for you Christian and you can tell me if like you are so wrong Jeffrey. But uh <laughs> I think it was a moment where the randomness of our game started to click together in a really meaningful way because up until that we had a really controlled story going on in a lot of ways, but then Whittleby came and he just like kicked down the door and he's like, this is what randomness is going to be in your game. Sometimes you will get a character. You ask for a healer. Here he is. And he is not what you wanted. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So then I guess specifically, would you say that that so far has been your favorite part of recording this first season? In a sense, I would say that, but it's kind of a broader thing. I think my mm-hmm. favorite thing about recording this first season was discovering how to best incorporate the randomness in a way that felt organic, but also fun for us. Yeah. Because we had a lot of difficulties, like trying to like where sometimes I think the way we presented is very easy and it sounds like maybe it's easy for us. But there's been plenty of times in which we get a random roll and we just stop for a second and be like, oh, God. Yeah. How do we use this? It seems like it really contradicts things. But when we learn to kind of let go of that, we realize that very frequently the randomness, because when we let go and just like use our imagination, the randomness is just challenging our storytelling in this perfect way. And there's always a way to incorporate things that make sense if you let it. Yeah. And I would say my favorite part of recording this first season has been two things. Telling such a fantastic story and the problem solving of the process of telling that story. And then also straight up just <laughs> gaining these editing skills, these audio engineering skills that I've gained. Like yeah. that, that's been one of the the happiest things that could have been introduced in my life. And it's because of recording this first season. I mean, there's a drastic change from first episode to now, and I'm, I'm more than grateful for that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this, this show would not happen without Christian because he has learned how to be such a good editor. I mean, like, listen to the show, this show sounds great. (laughs) And it's because of Christian. It is, because like, I, I'm a Yahoo. I, I just do funny voices on a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> he, he runs the social media, too, and I, I hate social media. So <laughs> very grateful for that. Um, and like also, like I, I definitely like pull some music for Christian and I'm yeah. the 
person who's always making sure Christian doesn't lose his mind, just listening back to things and being like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? But Christian's the one with the magic touch. Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey's a great director. He helps me. He helps, helps me figure out the toning and the pacing of uh, the episodes. So it's, it's good stuff. Did I say what was most difficult for me? No, you didn't actually. So yeah, let's go back. For me, what is most difficult or a particular challenge is obviously like I've been a game master. I've been a dungeon master. I've been doing this for a long time and I'm an actor, but boy, the, the through line of having to be so many characters plus a player character and keep all that kind of stuff straight. We have so many documents. Oh yeah. We have (laughs) a, we have an Excel sheet with just a full character list that says like every character's motivation, basic descriptions of them, um, whether or not they're dead now that we like have some characters that are dead. (laughs) Um, and like, Part of this is how the mythic system works, but like story threads, because I have a great brain for this kind of stuff. But even still, I'll look through our I'll look through our sheets and I'll see a story thread where I'm like, oh, boy, we haven't touched on this in forever. Now, Mm -hmm. sometimes it is purposeful, but sometimes, you know, you can't keep everything in your head and just like keeping all the voices, finding new voices for characters to keep them different. It's a particular acting challenge and I love acting so it has been both a joy but also a challenge to yeah keep these characters different and thriving and growing and Christian knows I do not like stale characters so even characters like Whittleby I like to give them a little bit of character development and growth as they go on and that's a challenge in this kind of format because we never know if they'll come back or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah Going from like difficulties, I guess we can move to this next question from Elizabeth, uh, also one of our biggest fans. <laughs> do you find leaving everything you do to the dice to be freeing or restricting? Because mm. um, I think that's a great question when it comes to like difficulty of what we're doing as well and letting this story run in ways that we hope it does and the ways that we never thought it would run. So, yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? You know... It's interesting, looking back on it, I don't think that I've ever found it truly restricting. You think it would be, and I think like going into this, I, that was a worry I actually had, is that we would be restricted in the type of stories that we could tell. But really because of the systems that we have chosen and the tables that I've curated for the game, I try to make it so we get things that are vague enough that they have a lot of interpretations. And you'll often hear Christian and I interpret things different on the show and then go with one of our interpretations or find that middle ground. And so, fortunately, I don't think it ever got to the restricting point. I guess, like, yeah, I guess the answer is, like, I find it to be very freeing because we all bring certain, or at least in my experience, we bring a certain bias in our storytelling. And these dice rolls have allowed me to kind of get past that and tell stories I would never normally tell. Right. And I guess my take on it is I agree with you in a lot of senses, but to me, the way that it feels like it's like, it's a combination of, of both freeing and restricting, but in such a good way, because like, it's almost, if you think of just like, <laughs> I this is a really stupid analogy, but like, <laughs> if you think of like whitewater rafting in like a river or something, mm. 
you're placed in that river and you have to go the direction of the river, but it feels so good to be spearheaded in that direction because like, you know, you're going a certain way, even if you're told to go that way. Um, and that's what the dice are doing for us. Like we're given an answer and we're forced to go in that direction because of that answer. But now we get to build off of it. And how do we creatively interpret it? It's getting that push and doing what we want with that push. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent way of putting that. Yeah, it's like white water rafting, but you don't know the destination, so it's a little bit scary at all times. <laughs> it's like, wait, yeah. does this let off at a waterfall or does it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where I constantly feel like we're at. Um, Lord knows we're not jumping off early, so <laughs> yes, yeah. I think that's just such a good way of putting it, Christian. I don't have anything to add. I think that's great. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, on that same topic, is there a role that you wish you could go back and change the outcome of? And still another question by Elizabeth. Personally, there's not a single role that I wish I could change. Other than potentially like when I was creating Diodi, I know like back mm. back in the day, like when we were first, I don't know, like first six or so episodes, I was very unhappy with Diodi as a character. Like I didn't enjoy playing him i like i i like wish he had been more interesting from his creation but i soon realized that that's what allowed me to really fall in love with him was because how he could grow where he came from and his progression as a character um so like yes and no if there was a role i wish i could change maybe some of the things that i had rolled for dod specifically but at the same time now i wouldn't change them at all um, because of who he's become um, and other like in-game roles like, oh, failing this attack or whatever. I wouldn't change any of those because the story that we've told from those roles has just been so fantastic. I I wouldn't want it any differently than it is the way now. In a lot of ways, that's my answer too. I, I would and I wouldn't, but I feel like my logic is more in line with I would want to change some of the roles because I would like to see what would happen down the line if those roles were changed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if Whittleby was never introduced, for instance. Oh gosh. What would have happened? Like if we had gotten like a competent healer right out of the gate, who knows where the story could have gone because of that. Or right. um, for instance, like the wild thing of like, we never got to post our session zero because it is, a Goliath of a thing. And we gave a taste of what that was like with creating Ab- Abigail as a character. Cause now we know how to do it better and we yeah. can like part that curtain there. But in that creation, in that setup, we had a role which made Abigail come into existence. And it is so interesting to think about if Abigail hadn't been rolled at random, that Lewid had a companion he was traveling with. What would this story even be? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I and I'm so I would never change it. But there's also part of my mind was like, how much would the story change based on any of these singular dice rolls? Yeah, it's incredible to think about. And I mean, you have that in normal like D&D where like if I hadn't failed this role, what would have happened? But I feel like that is so amplified in the way that we play almost mm-hmm. every dice roll is like the butterfly effect in our story. Yeah. Cause I mean, future decisions have been made off of previous decisions that we've been like, well, Rosalind did this in episode two. 
So like logically this is happening in episode 15, 16 and so on, that kind of thing. Like, um, yeah, every small thing yeah. has affected the future. And I, for us. we need to talk about Rosalind specifically. <laughs> I don't know if this is the moment to do so, but that is a, that is maybe more so than any character may be representative of the beauty and the wildness of our process. Yeah, dude, Rosalind, the whole reason she sounds like she sounds, the voice that she has was because when we made her, we thought she was a nobody. We thought she was not important. We thought she was just somebody talking to Lady Marigold in episode two, just a, a complete throwaway. Yeah, I thought like I thought she was a thug for a greater power, honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> we made her kind of goofy and holy cow, we never expected the magnitude of who she was and her actions. Um, I think that was solidified when when Lewid was poisoned in episode three. Yeah. Because then we realized, oh, wow, this person who we thought was nobody is now, like, coming after us. So Yeah, and then, I mean, like, later, much later, in what was it, episode 12, I believe, we found out that Rosalind was the one who personally poisoned Lewid. Yeah. Because she was the hooded figure that did that, and... Boy, like, God, yeah, I thought she was going to be this throwaway, and she became the major antagonist of the first, I, I guess, like, in a way, like, our, Christian, we have such trouble, and we're going to get into this, but, like, whether this is, like, season one, and, like, this is the end of season one, and we're about to move into season 1.5, and we'll talk about that a little bit, or if we're moving yeah. into a season two or not, but she ended up being the major antagonist of the first bit of what we've done here i would have never imagined that in episode three even with the things we yeah. found out about her in episode three i would not have imagined that right right absolutely yeah it's in that just leads us to so much that we could have never expected like uh we we touched on it after the fact in episode 16 but it was like we didn't see the ending of rosalind being the way that that happened and we were so shocked that I mean, everything that we were trying to do was failing. Uh, Lewid was basically not holding up his own against Felix. Diodi was being held down by Rosalind's magic. Abigail had failed her attempt at her magic spells. So it was one of those things that we we didn't see any of that happening. And the fact that we were able to successfully turn Felix against Rosalind just adds on to that fact of like, we never expected anything to happen the way that it did. Yeah. And I mean, the one of the wonderful things about the way we play is even though Lewid, Abigail, Diodi, they were like failing roles like crazy in that encounter with Rosalind, it was another way in which the randomness of our game presented how powerful Rosalind was. Yeah. Because I, I think it's a great way to show in any of your games, whenever you're playing a game, if you're dungeon mastering, if you're a player, to remember that failures are not necessarily a failure. They're another way to pull interesting storytelling. I don't think failures should ever be punishments. And that's why I like Dungeon World so much, because in Dungeon World, you gain experience from failing. That's how you level up primarily. So it bakes it into the story right there by saying, like, every failure is an opportunity to learn and it's a way to grow the story. Yeah, I think that that takes me to the next question here that I really want to answer. This is also from Elizabeth, right? Who is your favorite character the charts have helped you create? 
and why is it Whittleby? That's <laughs> that was Elizabeth's editorial decision <laughs> there. But Christian, I, I'm going to ask you that question first. Who was your favorite character the chart has made? And I guess, like, I think it would be cheating to say any of our player characters, right? No, I think that's completely logical to keep them in okay. as well. Um, but I do. Oh man, hang on. Actually, let me think about it. Let me think about it. If you have any off the top of your head. Go ahead and say Yeah, it. I just, I feel like I am going to cheat because there, if I have to, if you, if you demand I say one, it would be really difficult because so many characters had such alarming, beautiful creations as they were pushed out of the, pushed out of our <laughs> disgustingly metaphored creative womb. Um, <laughs> but I think I'm going to cheat. And I'm going to, instead of naming a single character, name a single entity in our world. Oh. Oh. And it's the Brotherhood of Prosperity. Oh, interesting. The three the three characters, the three primary characters that we have created that basically inform us of what the Brotherhood of Prosperity is, have been my three favorite characters to create. And... One of them I basically created entirely on my own because I wanted to surprise Christian with them. And I'll touch on that in just a second. But seeing that Brother Whittleby is this sort of hapless liability that believes in this goddess of prosperity, but then learning that she really doesn't care for her most ill child very much. <laughs> it was like a fun discovery. And then... yeah. Brother Gearish, of course, being extraordinarily competent, but he does not approve of magic as a terms of healing. And that kind of came to a head when we introduced Brother Felix. And we learned that like, it seems very clearly that his communication to the goddess, being the one who has the best line straight to the goddess of prosperity, has to do with magic. And so it's interesting this, these three levels of how these elves practice their faith. And it kind of shows a much broader concept of what this singular religion is in our world. And I think that has made it such this beautiful three-dimensional idea of how faith is practiced yeah. in our world. All three of them interact with their faith in a completely different way. Yeah, And I think that has told some incredible stories. That is a really, really good answer to that. Um, it's probably going to be more interesting than my answer. Because, um, yeah, I, I agree with you that that has, that has been such a huge driving force in our, our world that we've created, it's the Brotherhood. Yeah, I mean, for my answer, of course, you know, like, I, I loved the process of Whittleby. Uh, you know, that, that was such a fun thing to realize how much of a <laughs> um, uh, an F up he is and all that stuff. Um, but I would say my favorite characters so far, it's, it's really, it's tough for me because I want to say someone like Barnaby because of how <laughs> fun he is and how much fun I had playing him. And how interesting, he's such a unique character, but I am very much a person that even though I like my wacky and weird stuff, I am obsessed with emotional, uh, dramatic, like internal stuff. Like, um, for me, two of the people that encompass that are Abigail and Lulin. Yeah. I am obsessed with both of those characters and how we created them. 
with your Abigail going all the way back to when you created Lewid and her progression so far. And when we created Lulin and having to really decipher what all those characteristics meant within her and how that affected her relationship with Lewid. Because for me, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of like familial issues in real life as well. And, um, Lulin is really wonderful in expressing the realness of familial issues. And so I, she's one of my obsessions in this game. Yeah. And I think both of them, we can talk a little bit about just how clever we had to be in interpreting what the dice gave us. I mean, because Abigail right out of the gate presented a very clear challenge to us. Because what the dice gave us was basically a trope. Yeah. They gave us a trope of this, like, love-stricken bard who is hopelessly following along a knight. Yeah. The girl who's in love with the knight. That kind of thing. Christian, in particular, started to define that character in such interesting ways based on later random roles. Like Lewid getting hurt and finding the way to, like, genuinely share her feelings for Lewid in in the scene in the chapel. And that really changed who her character was. She became, we really played into the fact that she was a little bit stubborn and that her love for Lewid was genuine and Lewid's love for her was something that had been kind of under wraps because he's so obsessed with his dream. And those were all just growth from the dice and yeah. continuing to interpret what the dice had already given us. given us. I do want to share one creation really quickly because, of course, this question is asking about the process of the creation and not like yeah. how they developed necessarily. And my favorite singular creation was Brother Felix. His creation was mostly off mic because I wanted to surprise Christian with this character because yeah. the scene was Christian was the only player character in the scene. And I wanted to surprise him with what was happening. So I wanted to just give a little bit about the creation of him and how fascinating every single dice roll that came up for him was. I mean, I've talked to Christian about it afterwards, and I just wanted to share a little bit about that as I was rolling this character, how powerful he was becoming. But the, the most interesting singular role that happened is I had determined that his descriptor was that he was defective. And that his, the thing that defined him was that he was a jack of all trades. And so to me, I'm like, okay, he's defective. That could mean like a soldier that defected from an army, or it could mean that like he doesn't work the way he's supposed to, like he himself is defective. And the jack of all trades, I'm like, well, he's good at everything. But then you got that one word. That one word. I rolled what his motive, what how he moves through life is. And I rolled the word pious. And immediately... That was it, Immediately I knew who this character had to be. I knew he had to be a member of the Brotherhood of Prosperity who had defected. He he believed his way was right. He's most connected to the goddess. It was, it was such a good example of like how wonderfully these roles can... And especially as we build the lore of the world, how we can pull from stuff that already exists to make yeah. things more interesting 
because I was going to create a whole new character, worried that a whole new faction was going to be coming in. But then to use the Brotherhood of Prosperity, because I got this role pious, that was the most exciting moment for me in creating a character. It was so perfect. And when, yeah, when, so everything that you heard when we were, you know, explaining the scene and I was Abigail and Lulin walking through the city of fear and then Jeffrey comes up behind me is like, hello, are you lost or whatever, whatever the line was. Um, you seem lost. You look a bit um, lost. I, all of how I reacted to this character, or whatever, in that moment was like all genuine. That was the first time I heard anything about the character and um, just learning every little ounce of who this person was as we were going. I was, it was like that slow realization more and more for me as he was like, well, what's the symbol of the brotherhood prosperity? I was like, Oh no, this is, this is a bad brother, dude. <laughs> <laughs> bad brother Felix. Yeah. Um, that was, that was easily my most exciting character just because the things that dice gave me just, it felt like destiny. Yeah. And speaking of that, we have a question from Adam at T Dungeonator on Twitter. How much brainstorming for a role do you cut out? Like some roles seem pretty obvious, but there were surely some real stumpers in there. I, I can easily say based off of what we were just talking about that there's not always, you know, there's not always a pattern or a method for like how much of the role that we cut out. It's different every time. So in that regard, I mean, straight up, I didn't hear anything of you rolling because you didn't say it to me at all. Um, but there are other times that we leave absolutely everything. And in between those two, there are times that we just like leave the important stuff in and cut the stuff that doesn't need to be in there out. Um, if you have anything you want to say, cause like there's, there's plenty to say on this topic. One of my best answers for this question that kind of helps understand how we operate to we are very frequently stumped yeah and like all people we decide to live blissly in ignorance until we have to confront it that is basically how we operate on this show and the best example of that is the high death yeah yeah (laughs) for a number of episodes we had no idea like i think like it's from episode four to 10 you are hearing us being stumped yeah yeah (laughs) you just don't know it um and it wasn't cut the moment where it is most obvious is i express my stumpedness through lewid it's when lewid is talking to (laughs) barnaby and barnaby reveals how you defeat the high death (laughs) and lewid starts responding like how that's nonsense and that doesn't make any sense that is partly me role-playing lewid that is partly me as Jeffrey expressing that makes no sense. We can't kill the high death with happiness, Christian. That is, <laughs> that is not a but, way you kill a creature. Um, but Barnaby was very adamant about yeah, it. Yeah, and we had to accept it as fact. I think Lewitt even says at some point, like, he's like, well, I guess that's how you kill it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we also made a role that was like, is that does Barnaby have any useful information? And then we rolled for the useful information and it was like refused joy yeah, or something and like that. that was the information. And we asked, is that a way to kill the high death? And it's not cut because you can't hear it. It's just me staring into the camera sweating because I'm like, I, I don't, how does refusing joy kill a mountain sized skeletal salamander? And 
Yeah. The approach we took is we got off microphone and we're like, what does that mean? And eventually we said, it's like, okay, the way that this works, and this is kind of our method for everything, is we will accept we don't know what that means. And at some point, the dice will give us something and it will click. And we Yeah, took, it'll clarify it more. Yeah, we took it so. on faith that at some point we will know the answer to that question when it happens. And we took that on faith. Yeah, that's a great way to talk about that because, yeah, there, yeah, simply just sometimes we don't know. <laughs> and like um, more specifically, there have been certain times that off mic we are just ridiculous ridiculously stumped about a role that we got when we were asking a question and we talk about it for no joke. There have been times that we've like discussed a role for like one or two hours um, and nothing has come from it. Or if we've come to a solution, yeah, we, we just like don't use it or we cut it out entirely. We don't use any of it as a final, final note on this. Uh, how much do we cut? Uh, well, that also has to deal with back to, I'd forgotten to mention one of the earlier questions. What is one of the most difficult processes of recording? Well, most of our cutting actually has to do with background noise. Birds, dogs, doors closing, washing machines, all this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say airplanes? Airplanes need to be mentioned. Oh, airplanes. Yes. For you, you live on a landing strip. Yeah. Airplanes. <laughs> I live. Um, yeah, I literally live in an airport. No, I'm kidding. But um, does I live in I w- I live around Washington D.C. and I'm extremely close to the Pentagon. That's all you need to know. And I live out in the middle of nowhere, Colorado, where wind, dogs, and birds are constantly killing the recording. So, <laughs> but yeah, I I like Christian. I would say majority of what we cut is not content. We try to keep as much content in as we can. Um, yeah, it's it's mostly like quality control. Yeah, it's quality control. And is this really necessary for the listener? That yeah, kind of we've definitely like um, a good example of that is with the creation of Lulu. When we made Lulu, there were like a few little like things there that we cut mostly for redundancies. You heard yeah. who Lulu is. You got all the roles. You got all the information. But there were some redundant little brainstorming things that we did that you might not need to hear. Yeah. And it was expressed in this in our playing in the end anyway. So every single time something's cut that we've brainstormed shows up in the story yeah. anyway. So. I will say, yeah, it, it everything that we cut shows up in the story in some way. That's a great thing to say. Um, <laughs> but I will say that Christian and I have made an effort to not brainstorm or talk too much about anything off microphone. Christian and I will yeah. usually will sometimes like text each other and ask a question. Like, what if this? And then the the response to that question always is, oh, neat. <laughs> End of subject. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that sounds cool. Because like <laughs> we, we refuse to bring any of that. Because like, oh, I th- there's there's got to be one example we can say of something where we're like, what if this is the case? And then, like, we got yeah. so far away. I from know that. that's happened a lot with the sorceress. Yeah, the sorceress um, is one where we, we've definitely asked a lot of questions, full well knowing that none of those questions are going to be the answer. <laughs> right. Because um, I think the high death is like a good example of that. The idea that the high death is ultimately some being's pet 
was none of the things that we brainstormed. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really wild. Yeah. It's just so incredible. We have a question more about like process, and this is from at Whitehall THK on Twitter. How many episodes do you have in the can before you upload them? That's the first part of this question. The second part is, in future seasons, are you keeping the lore you created in season one, or is it a hard reboot? Will you stay with the same three protagonists or new ones? And this question is very interesting and challenging. Yeah. There there are many, many parts of the answers to these questions. I think the, the first one, Christian, you could answer very well. How many episodes do we have in the can before we upload them? Because that is constantly in flux. Yeah. Uh, simply put, we actually never have an episode that's like fully edited like ahead of time. There was one time that I had to like go on a trip, but even still, that was like still like the two weeks leading up to that episode. Um, we never have ever fully finalized episodes in advance. I am always working up until like the Sunday night before the Monday that it releases uh, before it comes out. Um, so that being said, we do tend to record, a, a you know, once again, this is kind of like, yeah, this is in flux. Like sometimes we'll have like a ton of audio recorded in advance or not, but we never have any episodes ready in advance. Yeah. It's always almost like the day before it uploads. And that's because of the way that we play. We we play in this way that makes it very difficult to know what an episode is going to be. I mean, it's easier for in some ways because we know that an episode typically will contain two to three scenes because we've broken things into scenes with the mythic system and that's been very helpful. But what we tend to do is we play longer sessions, you know, the way you would at a table, not knowing how many episodes exactly we have there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, basic question is we never have an episode in the can, basically. Um, we have yeah. recordings <laughs> in the can, but we don't have an episode. Uh, and then on to the next one. In future seasons, are you keeping the lore you created in season one or is it hard reboot? So personally, the way I feel about seasons and wanting to progress the seasons, um, which may be a bit different than how Jeffrey feels about it. I see all of season one being Lewid and Deodi's story and Abigail and whatever tales come from Austil and this world that Austil exists in. And I see season two being a completely new story, characters, world kind of thing. But only time will really tell what that shows. Uh, Jeffrey, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's the challenge is I think I am thinking of it that way, but also like my brain can't help but think of seasons in the way like a TV show season would be, where it's like yeah. what we're about to enter is definitely going to feel very different but not different in the sense of what Christian is suggesting. I know in the future, we're definitely interested, once we have completed Lewid, Abigail, and Diodi's story, and doing something incredibly different, um, and yeah. flexing those creative muscles in a different way. But I think to the audience, a way we're going to help indicate things is we're going to change the title of things. I know going forward... Soon we have like a bridge session here that's going to happen as we wrap up some loose ends. But then once we head off to the Ring of the Hand, the title of episodes is going to change from Lewid and Diodi to something else. And that'll be indicative of like, you know, the right. semi-change. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's the best way to put it is that like, because this is a different medium and 
you know, TV shows do that well mm-hmm. because I mean, with a TV show, you are following the characters through seasons and through chapters of their lives. I I feel like it would be very strange to have like a this is season one and it's yeah. Lou and Diody's story. Season two is Lou and Diody's story. Season three is Lou and Diody's story. And then season four, let's say it's some other characters in a different world and a different story, but it's still called season four. It's like, well, where's where for our listeners are they able to define that yeah. that shift? So I see it more as like chapters yeah. of their yeah. story rather than seasons. That's a good way to put it because we're doing a campaign, right? And the kind of structure is in our like overview of our podcast, season two starts when this campaign ends. But there will be different arcs and portions that are going to be delineated by titles to help like follow along and like when the title change when the titles change that usually means like it's a good comfortable place for a new audience member to jump in and that's kind of what we're going for there so the question there is in future seasons yes we are planning on doing all new things what that may be we don't know yet and we're probably going to include all of you in helping us decide what that is because we like leaving things up to fate. Yeah. <laughs> I did a little boo-boo because I run the Instagram. I did a little boo-boo while back where I, because it was something that Jeffrey and I had talked about and be like, oh, we'd love to hear what our listeners think of like future content. <laughs> and I like asked our Instagram, I was like, hey, how do you guys feel about if our next thing was this? And uh, realized after the fact that I shouldn't have done that. Um, it's too soon. But too soon. good thing is that only like 12 of you saw that. So... <laughs> the majority of you did not see that um so yeah um but we have some christian and i have definitely brainstormed some exciting things for a potential season two that we're going to present to you at some point so look forward to that in the in the distant future um but i think like an interesting tag to that question was will we stick with the same three protagonists and in a season two it's probably very unlikely that we would but the interesting thing about what we're doing here is within season one, as we are kind of putting it, we don't even know if we'll stick with the same protagonist in this season. Because of fate. Because of fate. Um, we had no clue Abigail was coming around. Frankly, so. when Abigail Abigail was the first one to face death, that surprised me. I really yeah. believed Lewid would be the first one as the one who's constantly yeah. in the fray. Um, if somebody dies... Like, right now, I only have one player character. If Lewid dies, it really becomes the question of, do I make an all-new character, or do we use somebody who already exists in the story? And before anybody asks me, Whittleby probably would not be the character I would pick to play yeah. as the main character. He would be very bad, and he would just... <laughs> I would have to I would have to role-play that correctly, and he'd be very bad at everything he does. That would be funny. Um, it would be hilarious. And for those who have listened to this long, we are considering... A bonus, a bonus episode starring Whittleby. <laughs> yeah. That's for those who have listened to this whole thing. Yeah, and <laughs> to finish up the yeah that original question, there there has been some talk of potential if it was needed, if it comes around to it, certain characters becoming new yeah. protagonists. But once again, basically, we can only see when it yeah, happens. Yeah, the way that that's going to be is when the story needs it or wants it things change because that's basically the mission of what we do here is we are being dragged along by fate and i'm always excited to see what happens because of that 
All right. Um, I say we get into some of these final questions and then kind of start wrapping it up. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and start with one from the Stories and Sorceries podcast, friend of the podcast, yes. sister podcast. <laughs> Brother podcasts, we're all men. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> um, but at SAS underscore pod at on Twitter asks, I would like to know the one role for each of you that went more perfect than you could have ever hoped for. I can't double dip and say that piety role because like I think like that was probably the one. But if that's it, uh, that was yeah. the one that was just like, whoa, like the angels started singing in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But. The I think the one role that went more perfectly than I could have ever imagined besides that, but I think it would have to be the high death role. That the high death was not the big bad. The high death was yeah. the high death was under the control of something else. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever felt a moment in which I was like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. That was actually gonna be that was going to be mine was um, that whole high death moment. Yeah, because it that you're talking it about def- it changed our entire story, the entire thing. It <laughs> in a very strange sense, like up until that point, you know, our characters, we had a lot of talk about how are three small little <laughs> elves going to combat this absolutely massive skeleton that has tons of mind control abilities and all of this stuff, it was just one of those pervading questions that cursed our minds the entire time we were approaching that moment. And when it happened, it was like, not only was it so perfect that it made everything that had happened previously click into place, it set the tone for the future and showed that not everything's about like pure combat. Not everything's about how our characters can physically overcome something. It grounded the entire story and said, our characters are capable of everything emotionally as well. Yeah. Um, I think any of our listeners will realize that something that's very important to Christian and I is keeping our characters grounded. Like they're funny, they're comedic, but they, they have, there's a psychological realism to use an acting term. There's a psychological realism to each of these characters in a, in that we try to maintain that regardless of what the roles are. And that helps guide it. And, Christian, I have one more that I want to throw at you because I think you're going to go like, oh, of course. Yeah, how could I forget? The random roll. So everybody knows we have, as I mentioned, a sheet in which we keep track of the story threads we are currently following because a random roll could, quite literally in the mythic system, a random roll could push us toward a thread, away from a thread, or close a thread immediately. So we need to track story threads that we're interested in following. And one of those story threads was, who is Abigail? We purposely didn't define what Abigail's background at the beginning was because we wanted to be surprised by that. And when we rolled... Oh, yeah, dude. When we rolled the stuff that ended up making Abigail (laughs) a princess, it made so much sense. It felt so perfect. I take back my high death answer. That's my my perfect role. I had a feeling (laughs) that was your perfect role. Um, I did forget. Yeah, because like all that stuff about... like. Uh, the bureaucracy, her being very important, the exceptional roles that were happening there that determined that she was a princess. Man. It was ideal. It was the most ideal thing, and it made the most sense. And it ma- it helped us make one of the most original portrayals of a princess I, I have seen in a while. 
<laughs> I just love this concertina playing just horribly tactless princess who just everything about Abigail. I I to this day it, we yeah. said in episode one, but I still have a crush on Abigail. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, same. Oh, uh, <laughs> cute as a button. Cute as a button. Um, yeah. I mean that that was the moment for Abigail that she became grounded because mm-hmm. everything before that, yeah, was like just like oh, she's just so goofy and sarcastic. Yeah. And that um, was... but there was a reason behind it. It was because she didn't want to be a princess. She played her concertina for you know to hide her emotions, but also because there was power behind it. All of this stuff. Yeah, and like, then the tragedy that like she didn't want to be a princess, but then it was taken from her. Yeah, oh, boy. Yeah, just beautiful stuff with that. Yeah, those would be my answers. So next up, another question from Emily through our Discord. What has been your most unexpected role in the past 17 episodes? And I'm also going to say this includes our bonus episodes as well. Yeah, yeah. I have an answer to this. To this day, I, I still, my skin crawls. When we were traveling through the Tomb of the High Death and we got that, I forget if it was an NPC positive or an NPC negative, that made Whittleby show up in the tomb of the high death. Oh, dear. That was the single most unexpected role. And you hear my reaction to it live on the pod. But like that also may have been one of the moments where I was the most stumped because I'm just like, why? How? And it just defined Whittleby as this just like <laughs> Mr. Magoo-esque character who like can just like tumble through the tomb of the high death unharmed because as he said he entered the tomb of the high death and then he found them that's the whole story yeah <laughs> he's reading a book the entire time it, my brain just forgets some of these things happen oh no it, that's why it's so fun to reflect on this but that was that was definitely yeah. mine is the one that put Whittleby in the tomb of the high death with us yeah just chef kiss so disaster good. yeah honest to god I can't, nothing uh, stands out for me. So um, I shamefully think that's going to have to be my answer as well. Cause that was just a fantastic moment. I have a hundred answers, but we only have so much time. I just, I mean like yeah. literally all the roles were unexpected, but um, the most unexpected, I think that would be it for me. I just, I could have never conceived from the character list. The one we would roll would be whittled. Yeah. There's one question that I'm wanting to save for last. So the next one, also by Emily. These last two questions are by Emily as well. Um, if you have, if you lived in Austeel, what kind of character would you be? I can safely say my answer would be probably an old man who rides a turtle around town and swims in canals. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's shameful, maybe. Uh, but because we don't know that we don't even know what space they live in. But I'd be yeah. the bard. I would be the bard. I'd be in a tavern somewhere uh, just telling the story of adventurers and heroes to just anybody who would listen to it. That would be me. I'd be there hoping that somebody <laughs> would pull me into a party at some point and take me on a grand adventure. Uh, yeah. So I'm, like, I'm kind of I think I would be this hybrid of the bard and Abigail. Just like put into one person <laughs> yeah. waiting for their chance to yeah. shine. I would just want to live in that part of Austeel that's away from all the drama, but still just kind of weird stuff happens. Yeah. I, I um, would just love the drama of Austeel. Of course you would. 
All right. Finally, Jeffrey, how would you have killed Rosalind? I will say that I would not have killed Rosalind, like at all. Uh-huh. Um, in that, I'm not saying that to be controversial or anything. I was actually really, when we went into it, of course, didn't know what to expect. And I talked about the fact that, like, I was expecting our own killer, our own characters to kill her with our own hands. But honest to God, if I had had my way with Rosalind, it would have been trying to, like, turn her for good and to, like, bargain with her and show her that her actions were unnecessary and that there were other ways to go about this. I would have loved to see Rosalind and not in the same way that the high death played out because high death's still a bad creature, even though it has its own emotions. Um, But I would have loved to see Rosalind kind of turn for good. Like, I don't know in a way that we could actually utilize her with our own party. Yeah. To like help deal with Corliss or other things like that. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really interesting answer because similarly I think it's very important to Lewid's character that while he is an aggressor he's a combatant he's a duelist he lives and dies by the sword Lewid is not particularly interested in mortally harming people and I think that is something that we've established with him is he doesn't he's not setting out to kill anyone Lewid definitely wanted to confront Rosalind. But I think in the end, like, I would have had a similar answer. Like, how would I have killed Rosalind? I don't think I would have. Um, yeah. That being said, as we were going through that episode, <laughs> that being said, as we were doing that, I I don't know. I was getting pretty excited with D.O.D. like doing what he was doing. I would have had D.O.D. kill her. Get her. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I, I wish... His damage die, his his maximum so damage small. output could be bigger because that moment that he struck her in the eye with his blowgun, his little flute of sorts. Um, I wish that could have like done more. But. Yeah, but it, it is so weird because like looking back on things, like whenever we do the, I have all these things swirling around in my head whenever we make a roll. Like this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. I want this to happen. I want this to happen, but. Once we've made that roll and it comes in the way that it does, it almost always ends up being, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Felix killing Rosalind just in retrospect, it just feels like that is the, that is the, that is the conclusion. Of course it is. Yeah. I mean, this, this experience with roll and tell so far in general has just been such a fantastic one. Um, We've said it a thousand times and we'll probably say it a thousand times more. It's the surprise of everything that really makes this such a, a fantastic thing for us. It's, it's being surprised by our roles. It's being surprised at things not going the way that we think they're going to go. That makes us fall in love with our own podcast and our own story. Yeah. And that's not in like a narcissistic way. It's just, it, we're just as much of the fans of finding out what happens in the story as you guys yeah. are. Because we don't know. We're not pre-planning anything. And seeing how it all unfolds is just really, really exciting. Yeah, And it's, it's beautiful, a little beautiful puzzle trying to figure out how it all fits together and make it make sense. Because I think a lot of one way you could take our podcast is make it 
slapstick comedy, like really just screwball because everything's so random. You could really take those things and just like really indulge in the randomness and be like, oh, this random thing happens, this random thing happens. But the way Christian and I wanted to do it is we wanted it all to make sense. Yeah. No matter how random it got, no matter how weird it got, we wanted it to be in a world in which that was cohesive. And I think we've accomplished that so far. I believe yeah. so. My parents listen, you know, my best friends listen, and um, feedback that I get all the time is, and you know, some of these people that I just listed off don't play role-playing games or anything, but they they talk about how much they love, how, I guess, um, yeah, cohesive and understandable it is, and how much of fans they are of the characters and the plot points and everything. My parents forget a lot from the earlier episodes, so I have to remind them occasionally, but um, they're constantly just talking about how... You know, once again, my dad in the middle of Felix and Abigail's discussion right before he takes down Rosalind. I mean, he just out loud said how much he loved that scene and what had had happened up until that moment. And um, that is that is because all of it made sense. All of the roles and all of the small things that are seemingly disconnected do connect. And that's yeah, that's how we're we're making it happen and as i said earlier that's one of the greatest challenges but it's also one of the greatest joys is like puzzle piecing our story together um i will also say like those of you who do play role-playing games that are listening i strongly suggest that you give something here that we're doing a try um whether that be like rolling your player character entirely at random it's been something that i've kind of taken forward like i i really enjoy rolling characters at random and then like puzzling out how all those things work together it's a really fun creative challenge to do something like that and you get more unique characters because of that in a lot of ways I know many of you out there are super talented and creative and can probably create brilliant characters that I could never dream of but give it a shot give that a shot and like add some random tables to your games if you're a DM or a GM add some add some extra chaotic spice into your games because you never know what kind of storytelling it might encourage you to tell. I guess as we start closing out, I just would like to thank a couple things. I would like to thank our community and our listeners so much for even giving this a shot. You know, episode one, two, and three are all pretty slow, but you guys stuck through it. And um, now it's really showing with these later episodes how fantastic this has become and how much you guys have all invested your own time and lives into this story and express that through social media and and our Patreon. So thank you so much again to all of you guys who are even listening to this episode right now because it really means the world to us when we see the people who do listen to this. And um, finally, I would like to thank uh, Jeffrey so much once again because, I mean, back when we worked at <laughs> Educational Committee for Foreign Medical Graduates in Atlanta, <laughs> um, back when we worked at that job together, and you asked me to be a part of Dungeon World and how we would, yeah, how we would just goof around at work and make up funny little scenarios and goofy things. Um, I never knew how much that would change my life into what it is now. And like I said, this has all given me very much a very big purpose in my life. So uh, thank you so much. All I've wanted to do is tell stories and you've allowed that to happen. So thank you, Jeffrey. Oh, Christian, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I feel the same exact way. Well, this is 
a little special bonus. We hope you've enjoyed it. And if you would like us to do more things like this in the future, please let us know. Because I know Christian and I love just like kind of talking about what we're doing here. So, and hopefully it was fun to listen to. But uh, yeah, let us know if you'd <laughs> like to hear more stuff like this. Maybe we could add it as like a, a Patreon bonus. We can do some kind of like talk back sessions after certain episodes or something and really like in the moment recap some of the stuff that we're doing. It might be a fun bonus to add. Um, let us know what you think. And I guess for now, we've got some more bonuses. This month is going to be jam-packed with Roll and Tell content, so get ready. Yeah, really the next month and a half. Um, yeah. We've got, I guess we can, since this is a special episode, we can kind of share some of that. We we yeah. we have some really fun things coming up. Like we're going to have a recap episode so that people can get up to speed and join us for the next part of this adventure, this campaign. And um, Christian have Christian and I have a fun idea on how we're going to do that recap episode, which I think is going to be pretty <laughs> wild. Um, I'm excited. We we just can't do anything normal here, so you'll you'll see. But then we also have some fun bonus episodes coming up, all about a certain tavern that Diodi's going to be visiting. Yeah, and we have some special guests who will have played a part of that story. So we're looking forward to you. Uh, meeting them as well. Well, I guess that's about it. One fun last thing. What kind of dice do you use? What color? Oh. What material? That's a, Christian's asking me a question. I use a lot of dice. Oh, do you? But my favorite dice are a set of green and brown flecked agate stone dice. So cool. They're beautiful. They're so special. I only use one set of dice, even if they're being bad little boys um they are metal cotton candy color pink and blue i love that very christian <laughs> all righty this has been christian and this vessel has been jeffrey and join us next time as we roll and tell flip yeah dude